0: It's the All Our Kids podcast, Fostering Community, Raising Awareness and Supporting Families. This is Kyle Belanger, and in just a moment,
1: you will hear a fantastic interview that Mariana Latovich conducted with Missy Tarjik. Missy, of course, um, is one of the great advocates in our community. Uh, She and her husband have 11 children and have been fostering for 21 years, and she, too, comes from a family who fostered. Uh, She holds a position as the secretary of the Massachusetts Alliance for Families and is a family resource liaison for the Berkshire Area Office. But there's no need for spoilers. Let's just get right to it. What follows is Mariana Latovich and Missy Targic. Enjoy.
0: So we have Missy Targic with us today, who is um, somebody that I really think of as like my foster care guru and uh, somebody who's been at this for half my life, maybe half of your life, Missy. And um, yes. I'm so excited to get to know you a little bit better, hear about your family, and, um, and, talk, and talk some shop about foster care, um, which you and I have done sort of in our, in our personal lives. But this is the first time that we've done it for the podcast. so It's kind of cool. Great. So, Missy, tell us about your family and how you initially decided to become involved in
1: foster care and adoption. Sure. So um, my husband and I started in foster care oh about 21 years ago, I would say, and we currently have 11 kids ranging in age from. You said you said
0: 11. Let me just.
1: 11.
0: 11. Okay, that was not 11. like a that was a, that wasn't a typo that came out of your mouth. That was 11. <laughs> 11.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> crazy, isn't it? It is. 11. Good. The youngest is two, and the oldest is 25. Wow. So, um, and that breakdown is three are biological, and the rest are uh, adopted through uh, DCF. Our youngest two are not quite there yet. They're in guardianship, but they will be adopted shortly. So our three oldest are biological kiddos.
0: And not all of them live with you right now, is that right?
1: Not all your kids live um, with you right now. Right now, right now, with things the way they are, we only have one that is not living with us. Oh wow! Currently, um, because we had some some older kiddos move back in from from college and law school. So, so yeah. you have got quite
0: the full house. Full house. Full house. Yeah, the, loud
1: house. the Loud House, as my kids <laughs> like to call it. A Loud House. <laughs> that sounds
0: familiar, but I have, what, like a third of your kids? Um, so, so how did you become involved in foster care? So you had these three kids um, that were biologically
1: yours, and, and then what? So it really starts really with my mother. My, my mom was um, in a severely abusive home growing up and she um, went into foster care when she was 13. And she wished she had gone into foster care a lot earlier. Um, it, she, back at that time, it, it wasn't um, very common for folks to get involved, it, even though they knew that it was an abusive situation. She said a lot of people told her know we know it's bad for you we know it's awful but I'm sorry we can't get involved we we can't really do anything so she finally ran away it wasn't until she ran away that she was put into foster care finally at 13 Um, and she was um, one out of eight kiddos and really the only one that was uh, made it out of that abusive environment and Um, really had a more healthy life because of it. So she was in foster care from 13 to 18 uh, and was in a couple homes. The last home she was in was a family um, that she was friends with the daughter and they they took her in uh, until she was married. And it wasn't um, until she was 40 that she was formally adopted. By this family, wow. she was um, an informal part of this family uh, it, it, the entire time. But for her 40th birthday, the siblings chipped in. There was six siblings in this in this household, and she made number seven. And the siblings all chipped in to uh, file a petition and obtain a, an attorney. And at that point, she was the oldest person to be adopted in Berkshire County. So she was uh, she was 40
0: that's amazing that's an amazing story that literally gives me chills so she was a she was an informal part of this family half her life uh, more than half her life right and was not officially adopted until she was 40 how old were you at that point
1: so um at that point yeah we so i was i was 20 at that point so so you were
0: so it's something you remember
1: oh yes oh yeah we all we we were all it was a very big celebration it was it was amazing the the um the courthouse and the judge was thrilled and um she really wanted that formality she wanted their last name even though it would be her maiden name mm-hmm. um she was you know married and and she wouldn't be using it regularly she still wanted that uh for her and it's uh it it was an amazing day and and she's still very thankful that that happened.
0: wow Wow, and so how did that lead you to go down this path?
1: So uh, my parents fostered. Uh, my mother and stepfather uh, both fostered and when, I, when we were teenagers, my sister and I were teenagers when they began fostering and uh, subsequently adopted three girls from- Ethiopia. So am I to understand that your mom was a foster parent during
0: the time that she was being adopted as a 40 year old? That's correct. That's amazing. That's really, that's really incredible. Wow. Okay, so during that time, she was part of this family. Um, in those years, she, they sort of prepared to surprise her with this adoption um, or adopt her as, a, as, a, as an adult. She was also fostering and adopting her own
1: kids. Correct, correct. So she, and, and so now I have three adult sisters that are, that are adopted. Um, through DCF, who are um, in their late twenties and early thirties.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. So you had this experience as a sibling in a foster home and um, an adoptive home, and how did that lead to you also becoming a foster adoptive parent?
1: Well, while while my parents were you know fostering, we saw the need. Um, my husband and I were very young. Uh, we were newly married. We had, um, just had our second kiddo. So we had two little ones, but we saw this need and we really started out respite, care, um, really wanting to, to help. And a lot of that, well, my mother was, the parents were still fostering at that time. So, uh, we were able to do respite for her and, Also, when they called and she was unable to you know we would often get the call afterwards so that's that's how we we kind of dipped our toes into foster care uh with no intention of adoption we were strictly um looking to provide short-term uh more emergency hotline respite care um famous last words huh yeah famous last (laughs) words We, we had no we had no intent to adopt and uh We did that for a a couple of years until we had our third child. And when we had our third one, we had four or three under four years old. We decided we would take a little break and we closed our home for a couple of years. Um, And after a few years, we we just felt the need. We had the space in our home. We had, you know, um, we just, Felt like it was something we really needed to do in terms of helping out more kiddos. So we reopened and again with no intention um of, of adopting or or looking, we were you know really supportive of reunification. And we started out at that point, we had our first very long term placement of, of a little guy that we had for uh close to two years the first time. Um and we had so we subsequently had him three more times over the course course of about six years uh and we because
0: because he was coming in and out of care
1: he was coming in and out of care we we um we really the, the times he came in we really wanted to make sure that if we could be available to be his placement we were so um we were very um glad that he was able to come to us in those times he he did have to come into care he did reunify with his family and he is now 18 years old, and we still have a relationship with him. Um, we still check in with him, and we have a relationship with his mom. And um, it's actually been a, a wonderful relationship that has built over the you know the past uh, 16 years we we that we've had with them. So,
0: hmm. how did you make the decision? How did you go from we're just gonna provide this short-term care or long-term care if the situation needs it to, all right, this is this is gonna be a forever kiddo of ours.
1: I think at, at some point, um, once we, we started to do a little bit more of some long-term um, care for kiddos that needed kind of a long-term placement, uh, we did start to think a little bit about if a child needed that uh, adoptive home that we might be ready to do that and and that um we you know thought maybe a fourth child would you know for a forever fourth child would work for our family. so when that first, you know, um that came and and the goal had changed and the need became adoption we talked about it and we decided at that point that um we were ready to to bring in a fourth child forever to our home. And that, um, and that was where we thought things would kind of stop in terms of adoption. We-, we Famous last words we, again. We did, we, <laughs> we planned that that would, would kind of, would, would be it. But um, what happens is we ended up with a lot of kiddos that uh, really needed long term and where it became evident that they needed forever placement And we fell in love with these kids, and they, you know, just fit into our family. And um, so there we are now with eleven kids. So, Um, am I going to hear you say this is it? This you're going to hear me. Well, it's hard for me to say, (laughs) "I heard this is it," but it's really easy for my husband to say, "This is it." He's all set. (laughs) He's all set. (laughs) He he was probably set six kids ago too. Yeah. Yep. yep, Um, Yep. We do have siblings. We, we have siblings. Um, we have two different sets of siblings. And so that, that has uh, been, you know, wh- why we have increased our family um, in the last few adoptions and placements that we've taken is because they've been siblings of children that we've already adopted. So,
0: And you felt, it sounds like you felt like it was important to keep them together if you could possibly at all.
1: If we can, and and I do really feel strongly, um, two of my sisters uh, are, are are from a sibling group of six, and they were adopted um, two two and two in in homes, and I I I touch base with my sisters a lot about how they felt, you know, coming into foster care, um, being adopted, their sibling relationships, and. I check in with them, and, um, and they, they are really happy that they were able to have that sister that grew up with them. They've maintained their other sibling connections as well, and um, that's important. So I look to them for guidance a lot around siblings.
0: It's a really unique um, opportunity that you have to have to be part of this former foster adoptive family for others and then to use that experience to create your own and to and to meet the needs of these kiddos in a way that a lot of people don 't really have access to that kind of guidance'
1: it 's great uh, they, they are are a wealth of information and knowledge and support for us so um, to check, and not in just, not just for us, for our kids, that they have, yes. have aunts that, um, have experienced, you know, life in foster care and being adopted is, it's invaluable to have that for our kids.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, it sounds like a really unique and, um, and, and lucky experience. Um, you know, not that any child coming into care is lucky, but it sounds like, um, very, very few kids get to have that kind of modeling in, in the adult family members in their, in their family. Um, and that's, it, it, it seems like a real benefit if, you, if you're gonna be adopted into a family that that family has that experience. Um, what, what do you think has been the most rewarding part about your foster care and adoption journey?
1: Watching the kids um, grow and 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 really, uh, you know, the resiliency and seeing the resiliency of these kids is amazing. Um, our daughter, who is seventeen, now came to us about twenty months old, and it was a, a really intense um, situation when she when she was removed, and she's been through a lot of trauma, and she is doing some amazing things and you know she's going to turn 18 and she's looking towards college and and seeing that um is amazing it's just I can't describe how amazing it is to see kind of how she has grown in and watching our bio kids grow is one one thing but watching a child that has experienced so much trauma and um and what they've overcome—it's just—it's—it's it's just another another thing to to, to experience.
0: Yeah, it's really um, it's sort of breathtaking how resilient kids and young adults and the human spirit can be to have um, that kind of you know life success to to be able to be where a lot of other eighteen-year-olds are who have not had those um, roadblocks in their way. Um, what do you think has been challenging? Have, has there been has there been anything over the last 20, 21 years that has been challenging about your experience
1: in foster care and adoption? I can't imagine that there have been no no challenges whatsoever. <laughs> I um I often t- you know I'm when I do training for foster parents um, that are are prospective foster parents I'm very frank uh, with them about the challenges of working within a system. And I will often say that what they're going to find is that co-parenting with the Department of Children and Families is extremely difficult. And that's what you're doing. You're, you're really co-parenting with an agency, with an organization. And um, if you if you can imagine, you know, a, a divorce situation and co-parenting with a with an ex-spouse and those challenges. Uh, think about that multiplied times a thousand with an agency, uh, uh, a bureaucracy, um, a, you know, a state system. And, and that's what you kind of have to prepare yourself for, that it's going to be a challenge. While these kids are in your care and they're, and they're yours 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you also have to know that they are in the legal custody of the department, of the state. And so um, that is what can be hard. It can be hard. And um, if anything, foster parents will, will typically say that if the challenges weren't as much from the children as they were from working within an agency, within the system, that um, has a lot of flaws. Can you give any examples of you know what, what you're talking about?
0: for folks who are, you know, wanting to sort of get their bearings in this world?
1: Well, you know, it can be as simple and, and as simple and silly as, you know, <sighs> um wanting to go to, you know, have ice cream in the state that is literally 10 minutes from your home. So we we you know we live you know so close to Vermont, so close to New York and, and um, we can't just, you know, if we have kids, uh, in, in our home through foster care, we can't just pick up and go to the next state and go get ice cream or go to the zoo. Um, we can't do any of that. So, um, you know, that's, that's the challenge.
0: And so there are some silly things. There are, um, it's recently we've had a lot of folks, um, talk to us about you know what the, the silliness and the, the sort of little examples like that and how inconsistent they are. So you might be told that you can't go to Vermont or New York to get ice cream, whereas another family maybe with a different worker or an, in another office, um, you know they don't seem to have those, those barriers and they're told yeah, if you want to go just go.
1: Right. So the, the inconsistency is, is really difficult, Um, you know, and some of the more, the larger challenges would be around um, really best interests of the children and, you know, really trying to, to understand the rights of biological parents, you know, the rights of children and where that, that kind of all lies. And so that can be the, the heartbreaking piece of, of foster care is if there are times where you feel like reunification at least in that time is not um, in the best interest of the child and uh, in that that may be conflicting from what the department is is feeling and seeing um, so that that's where it gets you know tremendously difficult
0: yeah, tremendously difficult for sure, and for me too. Um, you know, you you alluded to this balance between parents' rights and kids' rights, and I think that's a huge tension in our experience with foster care. Um, and I know I've had the experience, and I it sounds like you have had this experience as well of, um, you know, becoming close to to kiddos, birth parents and and birth families um, and, you know, rooting for them and wanting the best for them and also wanting to make sure that you are protecting these kids from from possible harm and, you know, you want the best for them too. And there can be this um, tension between what is what is best for these parents and what they're able to do and what is best for these kids and what they need Um, and then what dcf wants which sometimes is you know something something else entirely than that what you see
1: right that that's so true and and unfortunately i i think if if we could change one thing you know in the system would be that children's rights would, would be at the forefront, right? Um, as it stands right now, children have very little rights in, uh, in this whole picture. Um, foster parents really have no rights in in this. So, uh, you know, we really need to shift things in my opinion, um, and, and make it child centered.
0: What would that look like? How, what, what do you think that would be like? What, what what does that actually look like in a in a day-to-day way like what what is one thing that we can change that would make the system even a little bit more child-centric even a little bit more focused on children's rights
1: well you know i mean i think if we, if we even go to something simple it was we were talking a lot about prudent parenting and and the normalcy um that we want for kids in foster care and um, uh, federal guidelines state that prudent parenting should be uh, a part of foster care and i think massachusetts is still struggling with that but um, we want kids in in foster care to have normal experiences to be able to have sleepovers to to be able to play soccer and go have ice cream with their team to to ride their bike uh, around the block if it's a, a safe place to do so and I, I guess even the fact that we need to have legislation around that speaks to the fact that you know, we're not child-centered. We're not looking out for you know, the kids' best interest and in rights if we have to put something in, in legislation that says that we need normalcy for them. And that's just one small piece of, of what that could look like.
0: Do you not think, though, that so uh, some folks who are listening might not know what prudent parenting standards are. And um, if I understand it correctly, it's essentially um, a guidance around what decisions foster parents can make on behalf of their foster children. Um, without having to get approval from the department. So if you are crossing state lines, you have to get approval from the department. If a child is uh, spending the night in somebody else's home, that home has to be approved and background checks conducted. So prudent parenting is suggesting that there are all kinds of barriers that we have, bureaucratic barriers that don't allow children to participate in normal childhood activities. Let's get rid of those barriers and put the burden on the foster parents to make prudent parenting decisions. Is that also your understanding of
1: that? That's correct, yes.
0: Okay, so don't you think that um, not having, not adopting that as guidance in Massachusetts, yes, it isn't speaking to children's rights, but it, it feels to me, and it has always felt to me, that it's also Really disrespecting the role of foster parents because if I am licensed to have these children in my home, care for them as their own, care for them when they're sick, take them to the doctor, um, you know, make all kinds of other decisions on their behalf, why is it that the state does not trust me to say, yes, this is a family that they can go spend time with?
1: That's, a, that, that's absolutely correct. And I think a lot of foster parents do feel, um, you know, not respected. And, and that's in one way that they feel that they don't have the respect of the department. There, there are many other examples of, of that, but um, that's very basic, I think, in terms of uh, what else I would love to see, which is is having foster parents elevated to a member of the team mm-hmm. and to be, um, to be respected in that way. Yeah, and you
0: know what you said earlier about the the hardest part, and I am paraphrasing here, but the hardest part of uh, the most cha- the most uh, challenging part of being a foster parent isn't necessarily the kids, as challenging as all kids can be, um, and specifically kids who have you know these these really um, difficult experiences that they have to make sense of. Um, what's challenging is really co parenting with the state bureaucracy, um, and so. A lot of people get into this, um, you know, last a little while, get what they need out of it, which is maybe, you know, a, a, they've adopted a child, and then they bolt and they're done. And so, what do you think it has been for you that has allowed you to have this kind of longevity in foster care, which is unusual?
1: You know, I think what's, what's allowed me to continue is to become involved. And, 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 and that is, you know, in the advocacy role, um, both at the state level and the local level, to do my part and try to make our voices heard as foster parents, to bring the children's voices to the forefront, and just to have that optimism that it can get better and even if it can only, if it only gets better in small little pieces, um, it's getting somewhat better. And I don't, think, I don't think I could do this long-term if I didn't have um, a bigger role in the, in the system uh, in, in foster care and continue to try to see some progress and see some movement.
0: Have you seen progress and movement over the 21 years that you've been at this?
1: very recently i think we're seeing more um with with the the legislation with the foster parent bill of rights um that particular document and in speaking with a lot of the legislators i i'm hoping and i'm i'm really optimistic that we are turning a corner uh, a bit but it's been a long time coming and i and i don't think it's really I don't think I've seen a lot of change um, up until the last, you know, year and a half, two years, um, and and so I'm hopeful, but um, it's slow. As with anything, you know, with state agencies, with legislation, it's slow.
0: Yeah, it's always slower than you want it to be, for sure. Yes. What do you want to see? What do you what do you want to see happen in the foster care system, um, say in the next, you know, three years? What are you
1: What are you hoping to see? Well, I, I were hoping for this foster um, parent bill of rights to pass, and you know, with that, a level of respect, like we were discussing, and uh, and guidance around how foster parents should be a part of the team and should be a part of the process. Um, and so, you know, I I see that a lot more. Um, th- there's opportunities there. Uh, we just need to make sure that foster parents are ready and willing and that the department is welcoming us to to the table. Um, As far as, uh, you know, there's, there are regulations that are changing. There are guidance um, things that are coming out, you know, in relation to the pandemic Um, we've had different things and we need to have our voices heard and we need to be a part of the planning. Um, So, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see us at the table um, more than we aren't. And for us to have our voices heard in, in what you know, the, the day-to-day um, operations of DCF need to have a foster parent involved.
0: Mm -hmm. So you have some um, unique opportunities as a foster parent because you're not only a foster parent. Um, And I know that, you know, you really have devoted your life to children, both personally and professionally. Um, I know you're a social worker by training and you work in a school. Um, And I know that you have, you alluded to some other leadership positions in the foster care advocacy world. Um, And I wonder if you just share what those are and what you do in those.
1: Sure. So um, I am the secretary for the Massachusetts Alliance for Families, uh, which we refer to as MAF, and that is an advocacy um, board that we really look to uh, kind of foster parent, um, you know, the the needs and the role of foster parents kind of to what we want to inform uh, as far as legislation and regulations, um, to have conversations with the department uh, around the needs for foster families, supported families, guardianship families. Um, And so I've been doing that, uh, you know, I've been involved in math for about three years, but recently took on the, the role as secretary um, and m- more recently, I became the family resource uh, liaison here in our office in Berkshire County. And again, that's supporting and advocating for um, foster ca- you know foster families within our uh, Berkshire County area. Great.
0: So, and, I, and I've and i mentioned this on the podcast before, I, you and I joined, well, I haven't mentioned that specifically that you and I joined MAF at the same time around three years ago, um, but we did. It was, we, we joined, I believe, almost exactly at the same time. So became board members at the same time. And I also am the family resource liaison for um, the regional offices, uh, Adoption Development and Licensing Unit. So now I think what I need to do is get you on uh, our AOK board. And, And uh, then we'll, then we'll be together always, Missy, you and I
1: always. (laughs)
0: Um, But I know that I I, I do know that if you had the time, um, you know, I, I really would just come to your front door and grab you and bring you and, and make you be with me Always. Um, but I, I, I'm hoping that you can speak a little bit to how AOK specifically has impacted your foster care and adoption experience um, and how um, all our kids has um, either helped or, you know, not helped or, or what it has meant to you to have this organization in Western Mass.
1: Well, I, I think all our kids, I mean, the name in itself, if if I were to choose a name myself, I would choose that as <laughs> for an organization because I love it because it, it speaks to everything that I believe in, that, that really this is um, something for, you know, there is a place for everyone to assist um, with kids in care and with the foster care system. There is something that everyone can do. And I think that all our kids uh, really you know, promotes that. Um, There's a role for everyone. And so I love the community of all our kids. I love to, I I love that I can um, have a question or have a a, a venting moment or, um, you know, share in in a triumph of, of my kiddos or my experience. And there's someone there in the community that understands um, that has been, you know, down this road and they're there to lend a tear, um, or, you know, you know, just shout with us, you know, so it's, <laughs> it, it's, I use, I use that forum um, from, from, you know, all our kids to um, talk a lot about our advocacy efforts and um, kind of get feedback, but I also just love to have it personally to, to be able to have that community of folks. And we've been to several events and my, you know, the last last year was um, the fall event that we did with all our kids, my kids loved it. Uh, loved being with the other families and, um, you know, it's great for, for kiddos to have that kind of sense of community as well, to know that there are other kiddos that uh, have been in foster care, have been adopted, have similar backgrounds. So. Um, it's just, you know, I, I feel like it's it's a great organization, and um, I, I hope it just grows and expands, and and we can have it, you know, um, everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I wasn't looking for compliments,
0: but I definitely agree. <laughs> um, I would love to have everybody uh, have it as a resource, no matter where they are. And one of the things that I really love about AOK is that we have both foster and adoptive families, um, plenty of kinship families as well. And um, those of us in the community who are just starting out, who are you know, really looking for guidance, looking for community, who are looking to understand this crazy experience, really look up to you Um, and other families who have been doing it for a long time. Um, So as much as you maybe get something out of being a part of the community, I think you give just as much if not more back to those of us who struggle, who are looking to understand, who are looking for um, somebody who gets it. So I wanna thank you for that and I wanna thank you for uh, sharing your story. Thank you, and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Is there anything else you think um, our
1: listeners should know about, or you want to tell us about? I just would would love um, our, you know, your listeners to again remember that everyone has a role to play, and if um, if you can't foster, um, you can you can support foster parents and. We want, as, as all our kids, it, it, it definitely says it all, um, you can do something and we, we need you. So uh, remember that um, that there's a role for you to play and, and we need your help. I couldn't have said it better
0: myself. Missy Targic, thank you so much for uh, sharing and being with us
1: and we will talk again soon. Thank you.